There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. You know, I've spent over four decades working in the game of hockey, fortunate enough to meet some of the legends of the game, saw them come into the league, watched them shine in the game, and now they've moved on to life after the game. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up with some of these guys, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. Today's legend, all-time leader in NHL games played, number one on that list, 23rd on the NHL's all-time goal-scoring list, two-time Olympic gold medalist, gold at the World's Gold at the World Cup of Hockey. His number 12 is set to become the first jersey raised in the rafters in Sharks franchise history. He is Patrick Marlowe, and he now joins us. Patty, how are you, my friend? It's been a while. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the Crave. Download the 7Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave crushers to your door almost before you can say, fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just eleven sixty nine, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two liter Coke or Pepsi for two dollars. Seven Eleven is your go to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats, twenty four seven. So, Patty, as I introduce you, it's it's interesting because every every week we have a guest on the show, and there's a number. Your number this in that category. Your number ten in that category. But you're number one in games played. Seventeen hundred and seventy nine games played i remember when you broke gordy howe's record uh, in april of 2021 it, it's it's mind-boggling to me to think in all of nhl history only six guys have played better than 1700 and you played way more than 1700 could you ever have imagined that this would be something you'd go into nhl folklore with uh no not really you don't set out to make those goals or uh try and beat guys like Gertie Howe or things like that. I think for me, it was just trying to get in, the, get your foot in the door, get in the league and, and stay there as long as you can. So to eventually, you know, break Gertie Howe's record. And um, it's pretty amazing and very humbling to, you know, be able to stay in the league that long and, and uh, you know, break that record. I remember the night you did it and you were being interviewed afterwards and even to the, to the crowd there in the building and stuff, you were pretty emotional. You were a pretty emotional guy i remember the only words you were able to get is i just love it there's nothing else like this what were the emotions like going through like was the reality of that setting into you like what made you so emotional on that particular night yeah i just i just think the you know getting the recognition from the fans and and everybody like that and all the support you don't get to be in the league that long or or be able to break a record with by yourself i mean the For me, it's the the supporting cast that I've have been lucky enough to have throughout my whole career, and my family at home, and parents, and all that. And but then, like everybody that helps you along the way, coaches, training staff, yeah, uh, therapists. You know, it's the list goes on and on. But uh, just, I think that was the biggest thing. Just I felt I felt all the appreciation and support from everybody. And it's not only the number of games you played; it's. The, the way you were able to stay healthy, only four guys in NHL history have been able to have put together 900 game consecutive games played. Uh, and you're one of those guys. 
were there ever any times during that where you thought this is incredible streak going on here? It's almost like saying shut out to a goaltender where you don't want to say it and freak him out and throw him off. Were there moments during that streak of 900 games where you thought maybe I should just take a night off? My body's killing me. <laughs> uh, no, not really. I think, um, you know, there, there was times um, during that, I guess, during that streak where, you know, it's late in the season and, uh, you know, we had, we had our playoff position clinched and all that. And, you know, coaches come around like, Hey, do you want to, you know, take a night off or, you know, uh, take a couple games here before, before uh, playoffs. But I, I always thought in my head that it's such a privilege to be able to play in NHL that, you know, why would, <laughs> why would you take that, that night off? You know, I, I know yeah. some, Sometimes people say, well, you could get injured, this and that. But it also, for me, it also kept me sharp. I thought if, you know, you take a day, you know, game or two off right before playoffs, you might, you know, might have to get back up to speed. So I, yeah. I just like playing and, and keeping in that, that game mode. Now, I heard a secret, and, and now I can give it away because you've stopped playing. <laughs> so maybe this is why you're able to get that consecutive game streak. And maybe other guys are going to try this. Uh, all, every player has superstitions and idiosyncrasies. One of yours was basically between periods. Guys take off their skates. Some guys just loosen their skates. Why don't you tell our audience what you did between periods and why? <laughs> yeah. In the, in the second intermission, I would get undressed, hop in the shower, rinse off, and then I'd go jump in the cold tub for, you know, I don't know how many minutes, just till just to cool the body down and get that core temperature down and, I did it because when I went out for that third period, I felt like I was going out for the first period, just felt fresh and, uh, and ready to go. So that, that, that came later in my career, started doing that, but uh, always felt, felt good after jumping in the cold. Time. What are what are your traders? And I don't know if this is true. You tell me says he was running a stopwatch on you and your best time was 38 seconds to get into the hot, into the cold tub. Is that true? Uh, I think that might have been just to get all my gear off. I don't think I got, that quick listen one of the great things about the longevity of your career is the fact that that your kids you've got four boys what are they aged range from seven to 16 years old right now am i right on that yeah eight to, yeah. Eight to 16 yeah yeah so how cool is it that you played long enough that they really understand like they don't have to be told stories hey dad played in the nhl no dad was like that did they actually get to, got to see you and now they're going to get to see you at your jersey retirement how how important how significant was it, the fact that your boys are old enough to understand what dad did and appreciate it i think it's pretty it's super cool to be able to you know share the share those times with them and obviously the sacrifices that they've had to make too for me to play that long uh doesn't go yeah. at all um as far as me, you know, those are some, those you're away from the family quite a bit. So they, I think they, they kind of, I think they really feel a part of it. They know I appreciate them and, and they had to do things to help me, you know, still be able to play and, you know, be quiet during my nap times and things like that before games and, <laughs> and all those things. But uh, to be able to have them out there and, and sharing it with me and for them to grasp uh, the magnitude of, of, you know, being able to go into a lo NHL locker room and, uh, you know, get to meet all these guys. I think uh, I think they now know they can appreciate it more. It's, it's not just everybody doesn't just get to go into an NHL locker room and meet guys, but uh, so they they know how special it is for them. We're in conversation with Patrick Marlowe, one of the greatest of all time, obviously eventual Hockey Hall of Famer. I'll say that you don't have to react to that, but 
that's a slam dunk, obviously. Um, this is the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. Do you ever think, Patty, of all the stuff that you kind of made your way through in your career? Like you, you come into the league when there's 26 teams. You leave when there's 32. You've seen franchises go to places you never thought they would. You've seen countless number of rule changes. You made your way through two lockouts, one completely written off NHL season, three shortened NHL seasons. Do you ever shake your head and you think, man, I've seen a lot of things happen. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's no shortage of, uh, of events that took place over my career. Uh, like you said, and, uh, you know, just even like the style of game when I first came in, uh, you know, the hooking and the holding, the clutching and grabbing was like a, there's a full out war, you know, those, those first, I don't know, 10 years of my career. Yeah. And then, and then the, the switch to, uh, you know, getting rid of all the, the hooking and holding and speeding the game, which up turned was, out to be great for you. Right. Patty, because the first year after the lockout, you became a point of game player, which was yeah. great for you because you're yeah. one of the fastest players on the ice. And now all of a sudden you get some free ice that you'd never had before. Yeah. I, I, I joked about, uh, you know, those early summers, you'd come home, you'd have uh, scars on your wrist from all the hooks and holes. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like the rule change, and yeah, I think that first year after the rules that we had a lot of power play, so that probably helped out. To yeah, point for game, but uh, yeah, it definitely helped speed up the game, and it allowed the the skill to come out a lot more. I believe. Here's a number for you. Uh, they did the math as you were wrapping up your career. In all the players that played in NHL history, you either played with or against 37% of every single player who's ever played in NHL history. Have you ever heard that number? Does that boggle your mind? Yeah, I've heard that number, and that's that is pretty mind-boggling with uh, you know the NHL being around as, as long as it has. But uh, yeah, I've been going over kind of going over a little bit of stuff here. Uh, all the uh, the Sharks sent me a thing of all the all the teammates I played with and the number of games I played with them. So it's pretty cool to go down that list and, and see some of the names and how they've had an impact on, on myself, uh, you know, with my life and career. Um, the impact that they, they showed me just by being good teammates and, you know, being a, being a friend and, uh, you know, showing me the ropes early on in my career. You know what number really stands out to me? Like, okay, the the most games played numbers amazing, and I can't imagine anybody ever topping that number. You know, one of your old teammates, Brent Burns, is one of the leaders and among active players with games played, and he's still like four hundred and fifty games back. I doubt he's going to be touching that. But one of the numbers that really stands out to me is twenty three. There's only twenty two guys in the history of the NHL that have scored more goals than you. Just when when you hear that reflect on that and tell me what that means to you yeah it's pretty like when you just kind of realize that when you put it the way you just did it's uh that, you know pretty happy that you know i was able <laughs> I was able to get that high i guess i you know you just uh growing up in saskatchewan you're just trying to get like i said earlier just maybe there's a chance you can play and stick around for a few years and um but to be able to you know climb that list and I mean, some there's unbelievable players that uh, have scored a lot of goals in this in the, in this league. So it's pretty cool to be up there with with all those great names. I don't know if you know this or not, but we've just been talking just for a few minutes, and you've mentioned Saskatchewan a couple of times already. You're from and do you, like I know 
I guess the closest town to where you were is Aneroid. Is that fair? Aneroid, Saskatchewan. Yeah, Population, cool. 50. <laughs> the pride that you have in coming, explain that to me. Why is that? It, it just seems like, listen, you spent decades living in San Jose. You spent a couple of years living in Toronto. You're now living in Parkland, Florida with your, you, with your young family yet. You keep coming back to Aneroid, Saskatchewan. What, talk to me about the pride and represent that community. I think it, it's just being part of community like that. I don't think a lot of people get to experience it or get to know what it's like where you can, you go to school, you go to the rink when you're young and everybody knows everybody and their dog's name, basically. <laughs> and everybody's, <laughs> true. everybody's looking out for, for everybody else. And, you know, everybody knows what's going on in everybody's world before Twitter and, you yeah. know, all the social media. So, um, just that community feeling and, and you know what all the farmers do there, all the teachers and all the people around there and how great people they are and how hard they work day in and day out. So I think that's where the pride comes from. So let me walk through this with you because this one is personally given my age, I'm starting to, to wrestle with this myself too. You grew up in a small community of Aneroid, Saskatchewan. I grew up in a little village called Sautry Mills in England, which is roughly the same size population. You grow to enormous popularity in what you do. You feel like you're successful in what you do. You walk the streets. People recognize you. You're getting accolades. People cheer for you. People stand up and cheer when you score a goal. You understand where I'm going with this. All of this stuff happens. And then one day you say, I'm retiring and I'm stepping away from this. You've been out of it now a little over a year, almost a year and a half What's that trend? Like, I got to believe that that's an incredible shock to the system. What's that been like for you? Uh, it's been tough. It's been really tough. And, uh, you know, that's all I've ever, ever known, ever wanted to do. And now it's, uh, you know, when it, like, like you said, when it just stops abruptly like that and got to try and find something to grab onto and, and, uh, you know, something to get you out of bed in the morning and all that. Yeah. So, um, but I'm just in, right now. I'm just enjoying the family, and I think that's the the one thing that I'm focusing on now is just being around for the kids and helping them out and helping the wife out as much as possible. I think that's the that's the true support cast right there. Um, I'm just finally realizing the grasp, the magnitude of all the things that she had to do yeah. in order for me to just play hockey and and just worry about hockey. Um, so learning how to be an adult. <laughs> <laughs> schedules and yeah it was it was a lot easier when uh, everything was kind of laid out you had the, you had your routine but uh i'm uh, i'm enjoying the time with the family for sure has it been hard to watch games was it was it difficult i mean he, here's the bottom line you're in your mid-40s now from when you were five four or five years old in august you're getting ready for the start of the end for the start of your minor hockey skating on the pond getting your skate sharpened there's always that prep for the fall for literally decades of your life. And now you just went through your first real fall this year where that didn't have, that didn't happen. What's that kind of adjustment like for you personally? Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a weird one for the, you know, you, you're uh, you just go like, okay, what should I be doing now? Or what was I? Oh, th this time last year, I was, you know, in the gym two hours a day working out, doing this and that. And now it's kind of, driving kids to their hockey, driving kids to their working out or helping them work out at, uh, at home. And 
Um, so it's definitely been a complete flip, but, uh, you know, my, my oldest now is, you know, into ho- really taking hockey seriously now. And so I'm kind of trying to help him out as much. And, uh, my younger ones are also taking it pretty serious now too. So it's, uh, it's fun to see them, you know, take that uh, interest into it and, and put that time and effort into it. And as long as I can, you know, take all the experience I had and try to relay it to them, that'll help hopefully make them uh, better players and, and better people. When you retired, you, you, you throw out a quote, which I thought I found very poignant. Uh, I'm going to go to figure out who I am again. Was it figuring out who you are again or figuring out who you are now that yeah. the roles and the responsibilities and everything have changed? Yeah, it's probably figure out who I am now, what I, what I, uh, what I can bring to the, you know, this world, I guess, uh, what, yeah. how I can help uh, contribute to it and, any way possible and um right now that's that's me coaching my my kids and uh, helping out you know not only my my kids but other kids and trying to pass on that knowledge and experience and it's uh it's been pretty fun and, re- and rewarding uh this year helping out uh coaching quite a few uh, of my boys here are a couple of hot tasty ways to crush the crave download the seven now delivery app and 7-eleven will have your hot and delicious crave crushers to your door almost before you can say fuel me up sev you know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just eleven sixty nine, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7. The chase for the cup. We can't talk to you without talking about that. No one's played more games in NHL history who never actually had the opportunity to win the cup. The closest you came was back in 2016 when you got to face the much vaunted Pittsburgh Penguins. What was that experience like in that cup final when you got such, you got so close to making that happen? Yeah. I mean, it just, it goes to show like all that hard work you've been putting in over the years, over the years, and you're not guaranteed anything. You just, uh, you gotta, you know, it's all about timing and being on the right teams and getting the bounce here and there. So, um, it was great to be able to, to get that far and get a taste of being in the Stanley cup finals. Obviously didn't, didn't get to, to hoist it or win it. And the players that you do it with, you know, they have that, you have that, uh, camaraderie, you have that, uh, togetherness, um, you know, battling together to, to get to, to the finals and, you know, trying to win it. I mean, uh, and, and falling short, but knowing what everybody had to put in in order just to get there. I mean, uh, you can, you can look across the, the room or look in the mirror and know you, you know, you're all you just wasn't enough. In fairness, you never won the Stanley cup, but you knew what it was like to win. <laughs> you want a pair of gold medals with Canada, which is enormous. Uh, World Cup of Hockey gold, World Championship gold. You were a winner at at multiple levels. What was that experience like? I mean, you're obviously a very, very proud Canadian. What was that experience like for you in 2010 to be a part of? I know 2014 was awesome, but 2010 was on on home soil, Vancouver, your first time winning Olympic gold. What was that experience like for you? Uh, It was the ultimate, I think, just being... In the, in the Olympics to begin with, uh, you know, playing against, playing with and against the best players uh, in the world, and then uh, to be able to win it on on home soil and and kind of celebrate it and see everybody the celebration 
that went on after we won it was was an incredible experience nothing and something i'll i'll never forget but, you know um i don't know if i i've told this story many times but after after the game uh, i was in a cab with brendan morrow and, and his wife and we were going to dinner and we were stuck right in the middle of it we were surrounded by canadian fans everywhere and we were just kind of just taking it all in uh while we were in the cab so it, it was pretty cool to, to be part of it that way I did, and I'm glad you told the story because it is a great story. When you just have a, for me, I find it kind of funny. You've just won Olympic gold, and what are you doing? Ah, we're going on a double date. We're going to go for dinner. I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah, <laughs> that was hilarious. And then to actually kind of absorb that moment, it, the reality of all hits you while you're in a cab. That was very funny. Yeah. Does, is your gold medal figuring prominently right now in a little showcase somewhere? Um. It, it's in our tell it's me in it's my, not in a shoebox patty no it's not in a shoebox it's in my safe uh tucked okay. away right now yeah good that's that's hilarious um you talk about guys that you shared the experience with um joe thornton was there right at the beginning with you you guys went one and two in in the draft while you ended up he ended up in boston you went to san jose for decades and then jumbo came back and suddenly you guys were teammates Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Jumbo. Yeah, I mean, it started early. I think we, I think we were like sixteen or you know sixteen or seventeen. We played on uh, uh, Team Canada under 18s or something like that. Uh, yeah. Played against them maybe the year before in Moncton uh, when they have Team Ontario, Team West, and all that. Um, and then going to like award ceremonies before the draft. So we got the we got to know each other right before the draft, and then yeah up to the draft you know you kind of hang out with uh with the other the other draft picks and yeah just kind of grew from there and then obviously him being a great player and me trying to you know learn or surround myself with good players like that so i can selfishly learn from them and, and take something away was was always fun to to be around jumbo and then to have him come to san jose was was huge because it just instantly made our team that much better it was weird i'll tell you personally it was very strange for me to see you in a jersey other than San Jose's. So when you decided, I mean, you were you were not you were an unrestricted free agent in 2017. You had a bunch of teams that were courting you, trying to convince you because everybody still saw you as a guy who could still skate great, great leadership, would be a great guy to have on a team to turn things around. You had your pick of a number of different organizations and you landed in Toronto. How did you make that decision? What went into that? Yeah, I was just kind of weighing all the weighing everything. And I think um you know, Toronto wasn't really on the radar at the very start. And then they came in late. And then I just kind of, I went on YouTube. I started looking at the players. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, you know, being on the West coast, you don't see them all that much, but uh, yeah, I went on YouTube, started looking up uh, highlights of Mitchie and come on, you seriously, you were, you were scanning YouTube to see what the Leafs are all about. That's hilarious. Yeah. Just uh, you know, watching some games and just to see the way that they were playing. I think, uh, and then uh, Babs was there, obviously, at the time. So talking to him and um, all the success he had uh, with with his teams, and just they just looked like they were going in the right direction, and that's what kind of kind of sold me. And uh, I'm glad uh, glad I was able to go there and and uh, you know make some uh, some great friendships. And um, we had some good teams, and but but fell short once again. We we had a lot of fun with you guys with Mitch and Austin Matthews playing video games at your place with your boys because they quite frankly they're not far removed 
from the age of your kids. I think Austin, I think I was doing the math the other day. Austin was maybe like two weeks old when you were drafted. <laughs> it's that kind of, it's that yeah. kind of scenario. Talk to me about what was it? Was it as, was it as much a father kids relationship as we kind of in the media and, and hockey fans tried to turn that into? Was it like that? Uh, I Maybe at times, but mainly I'd say mainly teammates and like mentor. I don't know. Uh, but uh, they they might have looked at me that way, but I was just kind of we're teammates. I'm trying to help help as much as I can. But obviously, once again, too, I'm still trying to learn from these guys. I mean, they they're coming in with all these, uh, you know, starting out with skills coaches and things like that. When they were younger, I didn't have I didn't have any of that. So just trying to take bits and pieces from what they know and what they've learned at, at such a young age and the way they they move their bodies and like Mitchie's edge work and, you know, the way Maddie can shoot that puck. I was just like, you know, my eyes were wide open, just trying to take in whatever these young kids can do. In conversation with Patrick Marlowe, two-time Olympic gold medalist, future hockey hall of famer. This is the seven 11 overtime podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. You mentioned the word mentor and, and I, so you come into the league, you're the marathon man, in the league, you're the iron man. No one's played more games than you. And then gradually your responsibility starts to shift where you become a mentor now with guys like Matthews and Marner. And I'm sure there were other guys you mentored in San Jose along the way. And the other guys that maybe wasn't as quite as visible. Now you're shifting into kind of full-time role. You mentioned your son, Landon, I guess he's your oldest one. And is it Jager, your, your 12 year old or 11 year old? Yeah. Yeah. These, these two kids now are, are coming up in the game are you able to transfer that and say, I could bring some of the stuff that I learned <laughs> throughout my career as an NHLer and maybe shift this to my kids? How much do you want to be a part of that? How much are you being a part of that right now? Is that why you moved to Florida to do this? Um, yeah, partially a uh, little bit of a uh, little bit of that. I think, uh, you know, I got to be careful when I'm talking to these guys and these kids, uh, how much information I give them at once. <laughs> Uh, too but, much yeah i don't know if i'm giving sometimes i don't know if i'm giving them too much or or not enough uh or if i'm relaying it the the right way where they'll understand it so that i mean i'm i'm, I'm back to being a rookie you know trying to coach these uh these little kids and uh you know trying to pass on the the knowledge that that i have so i hope i i can you know round out the the teaching skills and and do that are they players are you kids players which one's the the one you're like ooh? Uh, well right now my my oldest is uh is the one who's you know kind of take it taken over taken by storm and uh you know everybody everybody else is kind of they see him um doing well and now they kind of want to do well so they're putting in a little bit a little bit more time shooting pucks in the driveway and stick handling and you know all the things it takes to you know become really good hockey players Everybody appreciates the knowledge you have and the skill set you have and your skating ability. You know, it's something you'd like to be able to transfer to your boys. Uh, Mike Greer, one of your former teammates, general manager now of the San Jose Sharks. Um, I'm told that he contacted you about possibly doing something with the Sharks organization. Is that something you're considering or have considered? Uh, yeah, it's something I'm considering, thinking about. Um, you know, the Sharks organization has been, been great to me and over the years and obviously to, you know, have a chance to, to learn or to go into, uh, you know, whatever it is, management, coaching, what, you know, whatever kind of avenue I want to maybe take a look at, they're, they're willing to help me out. So that, that, uh, that's a great thing to have, you know, have in your, 
in your back pocket and you know if there's something i can help the, the organization with even you know not playing not being on the ice but uh, a way off the ice i can help them then uh that's something i'm, I'm definitely looking looking at and uh probably do in, in sometime in the future hopefully you're an assistant right now um is that something you'd like to do behind an nhl bench is it would you rather here's what i'm asking would you rather be in player development to mentor these guys along and bring them along and scouting or do you actually see one day where patrick marlowe could be like a lot of other guys former nhlers who then step behind the bench as a head coach is that something that appeals to you um well, yeah, that's something I'm trying to figure out right now. Um, okay. you know, I was able to go out last uh, last summer and help out with uh, you know some player development. They had uh, they had some uh, some of their draft picks in the younger kids, so that I, I enjoyed doing that, uh, being around doing that. And as far as coaching right now, it, it's pretty it's pretty cool how you can um, you're able to give something to to the kids and then to have them go out and uh, and do it on the ice. It's pretty rewarding to to be able to see that and and see them. Uh, you know, grasp the knowledge you give them and, and use it to, on the ice to, to their advantage. Number 12 in the rafters in San Jose, February 25th, 2023. Talk to me about that experience. It's a little nerve wracking right now. I think uh, not too sure what to expect. I don't know if I got to go on and watch some other people's uh, Jersey retirements and, and maybe take some pointers from that. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, it's going to be great. Um, it's going to be a great opportunity for me to, you know, thank the fans, thank everybody who's supported me over my career and, um, and be able to, to see a lot of the faces, uh, you know, on, uh, on February 25th. So I'm looking forward to that. Who do you want there to share that time with you? Cause you can make some calls and decide, you know, these are people I really want to be there. Who, who are you most excited about being there? And maybe also disappointed they can't be there to share it with you. Uh, geez, there's just, there's too many names to, to name. Um, what I'm, uh, we're having an alumni game a couple of days before. So, um, a little bit, a little bit have been kept, uh, surprised for me. So I'm not too sure exactly. I've told them, uh, who I'd like to see there, uh, some of the guys and they've reached out to a bunch of guys. So from what I hear, it's going to be a great group of, uh, you know, ex teammates and guys I played with. So I'm, I'm super excited about the, the alumni game and, um, getting to get together with some of my past teammates. So I, I'm excited for that. Is this been an emotional run for you, given what you've gone through in the last 18 months? I mean, I got the sense that when you shut it down, you stopped playing in May of uh, 21, didn't actually officially retire until May of 22. So I got the sense that you weren't quite ready to retire just at that point. And now you're, you know, six or seven months past that. Talk to me about the emotional journey you've gone through, the acceptance of it, and and how you're feeling right now about things in general. Yeah, I think uh, you know, still kind of hold. I was holding out hope for a little bit that uh, you know that might be able to you know get find another roster spot. But then uh, obviously it was looking like uh, th as as the months go on, it gets a little bit harder and harder to to find a team because uh, you know they're they're putting in all that work, they're getting to know their systems and all that. So. Um, yeah, I think it was just it was me just trying to hang on. Uh, didn't want to, you know, announce it and, and wrap my brain around it. But uh, you know, once I, I announced it, uh, it was kind of like, uh, you know, now what's next for, for me and, and my family? So that's kind of where the focus is, is gone to now, and just trying to find find the way and, and spend that time with the with the family and try and make up for some lost time. 
you uh, gave us tremendous joy in decades in the game. You enjoyed that. Are you enjoying life after hockey now? Yeah, I am. I think, uh, you know, it keeps, I keep going back to my kids and, and what they're into and what they're, what they're playing hockey and, um, but being able to, you know, go on trips with them, whereas opposed before, you know, you have to stay home because there's more games and, um, you know, planning those trips and, and planning some time with, with the family doing things that we weren't allowed to when I was playing is, is, uh, some things that I look forward to. And I'm pretty sure my, my family looks forward to as well. Patty, congratulations on a spectacular career. We've really, really enjoyed the ride along with you. And I look forward to seeing you on the red carpet at the hockey hall of fame. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. He's the all-time leader in NHL games played 23rd on the all-time goal scoring list. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. Our guest has been Patrick Marlowe. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot from the oven pizza and wings, pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, and a loaf of bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious crave crushers to your door almost before you can say... Fuel me up, Sev. You know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a 2-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7.